What is going on, Clutch Crew Sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. My name is Connor, the co-host with the most. And today we're going to be discussing some NFL Week 17 topics. Um, I'm sure everyone who's tuning into this podcast knows already now about the Antonio Brown situation, how he walked off the field and was released by the Bucks a, a mere hours later. Um, so we're going to be talking about that and the impact it could have on the Buccaneers. We're also going to discuss... Ben Roethlisberger, we're recording this on Sunday. Tomorrow will be his, probably, most likely, who knows, his last game at Heinz Field. Just reflect a little bit on his career as a player. We're then going to go into our games of the week and then discuss the lock board. Uh, it was a good week for the lock board, but uh, looks like we potentially could have a winner on the lock board this week. And we're going to close with some discussion about the potential 2022 NFL Hall of Fame class. So we got a lot for you. I hope you enjoy it. And now let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, everyone? It's Zach here. I still don't have a saying, you know, Eric's the ranting co-host. Connor's the um, the co-host with the most. And I I just haven't come up with a saying yet. So I really need to need to find out. What <laughs> I need to get on that. You're, you're, the, you're yeah. the creator, man. Yeah, yeah, but I need I need a, something to host, you know. I, I just need something a, catchier. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. But um, but yeah, another disappointing week for the Jaguars. Obviously, I you know stopped watching at halftime for anybody that wanted an over under on when I would turn the game off. It was about halftime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all I can say is fire Trent Balky. <laughs> and uh, this is Eric, the ranting co-host here. Also, hashtag fire Trent Balky. Uh, he's a bum and he needs to get out of town. So he sucks. Anyway, uh, definitely got a lot to talk about here. So I'm looking forward to it. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. All right. A lot of uh, fire Trent Balky there going on. Um. Oh, also make your, uh, if you're listening to this, even if you're not a Jags fan, just. Look at all the people that are Jaguars fans that have made their profile pictures a clown with a mustache on it and do the same and put hashtag fire trim. <laughs> solidarity with us. <laughs> just throw it all over. Like us Jags fans, we deserve a break, man. We we deserve something new and better. Like if there's any team that deserves something positive, it's us. So please just help us out. Come on. Well, hey, I mean, you're going to be getting the number one draft pick again, so, you know, could be something there. God, that's not <laughs> enough. If, if Trent Balky is the GM, he'll do something stupid with it anyway, so we got it. He'll take, he'll take like, a, he'll be like, Trevor's not the answer, and take Kenny Pickett with the number one overall yeah, pick or something. Do, yeah, or he'll be like, oh, we'll trade down to the 20th pick, and we'll get a third-round pick in return. Do something <laughs> stupid, dude. Like, get, get rid of them. <laughs> I didn't expect to start off the show like this. Sorry. <laughs> um. I mean, you know, I I can't imagine what y'all are going through, but I'm sure it's not good. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. so we're going to go around the shield to start. And like I said at the start, you know, we all know the news by now about Antonio Brown. Um, I don't remember when exactly in the game this was. Um, I was at uh, lunch when this game was going on, so I didn't actually get to see it. But thankfully, yeah. Zach informed me about it. Um, you know, he... Uh, Took off his shoulder pads, took off his jersey, took off everything basically, but his pants, and he gave a peace sign to the crowd and walked off the field. And you know, like I said, about an hour later, Bruce Arians announced that he had been released from the team. Obviously, this has been a long-going saga with Antonio Brown back to his days in Pittsburgh. You know, he had the whole kind of semi-meltdown sort of where he was getting all upset that Juju was doing better than him, and then. You know, obviously the Steelers wanted to trade him, so they traded him to the Raiders for like a third round pick or something. And then he went to the to La, well, I guess they were still Oakland at that time. Um, and you know, he had the whole thing where he like um, got frostbite on his toes or something. And then you know, all these things came out about him. Well, he got then he got traded to the Patriots, and then played a couple games there. But then a bunch of things came out about him with like sexual harassment and all that sort of stuff. So he had to sit out then then he kind of like got this relationship going with Tom Brady and moved to Tampa and convinced him to move to Tampa and it looked like maybe he was turning around in the right direction uh like Tom Brady had kind of transformed him and gotten him better and well now this has happened so um 
Uh, if I'm guessing, I mean, I said this last time when he left the Patriots, but you know, this time I think for real, he will never play another down in the NFL. I don't see why anyone would waste their time on him. Um, but I'm going to ask Zach first, obviously, since he's the resident Bucks expert, um, what do you think this does for the Tampa Bay Bucks going in the future? Because obviously, you know, we saw he still has quite a lot of talent as a player and was a, a good piece on that offense. So how do you think this is going to affect them going forward? Yeah, it definitely hurts, um, especially with the Godwin injury, too. If Godwin was healthy, I would say this isn't as big of a loss. You know, him and Brady still had a really good connection, though. So it's a it's a pretty significant loss. and. There's not much time now to prepare, you know, for life without him. They did, you know, and something I was going to say from the Bucks perspective is I think there was a lot of Bucks fans and a lot of people in general that were surprised that Arians kept him on the team after the fake vaccine card from a couple weeks ago because Arians' thing all along, ever since he signed him going back to last year, was, you know, you're on strike too, basically. You know, that you can't have any more mistakes. You can't have anything to hurt your record or anything like that. And he'd been clean for a while. I mean, I think there have been some maybe minor like incidents, like penalties and stuff that dumb stuff that he was doing there. But he didn't have anything like he had in Oakland or Pittsburgh going on. It was more like on the field stuff rather than off the field stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when he when he faked the vaccine card and then he ended up being suspended for that. I thought I, especially, and at the time too, Godwin was still healthy. So it was, they had the full cast and everything. So I, I thought for sure, all right, you just got to get rid of him now. Like, like you can't keep enabling him. And that's what people are saying is what happened here is he basically saw that. Okay. The the league suspended me for the fake vaccine card, but the Buccaneers did nothing. So I can get away with whatever I want. And this is what happened in Pittsburgh, too. Every time he kept getting away with something and getting away with something, he kept getting worse and worse. And then this, obviously, it's a no-brainer. You can't keep him after he does something like this. But I can't say I'm totally surprised. I don't think Bucks fans are totally surprised either about this happening. Probably the whole NFL could see something like this happening. We would guess it would be Antonio Brown. So. Um, I do think it hurts their their chances as a team and everything like that. Um, they're definitely going to need these other receivers to step up without him. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. <clears throat> you know, like you said, I think if Godwin was still there, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But with Godwin being hurt for, you know, a long term injury, you know, basically now all they have is uh, in the receiver core is Mike Evans. You know, now every now teams can really start to key on him. They don't have to worry about Godwin or Brown. So. But I'll ask Eric now, too, so because I know a lot of people, you know, kind of point to they've been saying that Antonio Brown has like mental health issues and all that. You know, a lot of people say that he was never the same. <clears throat> this other picture I have down here is a game I remember very well as a Steelers fan. Uh, I think this was from 2015, if I remember correctly, the playoffs when the Steelers were trying to go down and uh, get a game winning field goal. And Antonio Brown, like Roethlisberger threw it to him and Vontez Burfitt came through and like took his shoulder pad right to Antonio Brown's head. Brown was unconscious, missed the rest of the playoffs for a concussion. And, you know, like I said, it seems like to a lot of people, he hasn't ever been right since then. So I'll ask Eric quickly, you know, I don't know. What do you think could potentially be going on with him? Like, do you think it's all, uh, you know, he's just a drama queen. He's an overpaid athlete, you know, all that. Or do you think there could be some sort of mental health problem going on there? And and my honest opinion, obviously, I'm no doctor or anything. So obviously, I can't make any kind of di- diagnosis or anything like that. But just in my opinion, I really feel like it is a mental health issue because he has had several, well, not, maybe not several, but he's had multiple concussions and that one, especially by perfect there. I mean, that was brutal. I mean, that, that was a next, that wasn't just any ordinary concussion where maybe you're a little woozy for a couple of days. I mean, he missed the whole rest of the playoffs and after that, and it just, it does seem like ever since that happened is when all of this stuff started happening. I mean, and it, it really is scary. I mean, I obviously, like I know a lot of people are, you know, poking fun at this and 
you know, making a lot of jokes about it and stuff. And because obviously this isn't something you see happen very often in the NFL, you know. So, but to me, it's just, it's just scary, man. I, I really worry that, you know, he might do something to himself one day later down the road or he might do something to somebody else later down the road. And in my honest opinion, he just, he really needs, he really needs help. He really needs some kind of counseling or therapy. He really needs help because this is just not normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really know. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can, I completely agree. Cause I know like, I remember I used to look back on, you know, kind of right before all this happened was when, you know, the Steelers were dealing with that drama with Le'Veon Bell. And I remember thinking to myself, like, because at that point, it had been a while since I got in a jersey. And this was before the Steelers had drafted TJ Watt, which was the one I ended up getting as my next one. But I was thinking to myself, like, man, I, you know, I want to get like an Antonio Brown jersey because, like, you know, he's a really stand up guy. Like, he's one of the leaders on the team. He's one of the hardest workers. Like, you know, just ask the coaches, they'll tell you he's one of the hardest workers. He's not, you know, a drama queen, you know whatever like Le'Veon Bell is and then you know the ironic thing is look what happened what's happened now like everything Antonio Brown has done like pales into in comparison to the drama that Le'Veon Bell started so um yeah because I mean, you you look at all the stuff that happened even after just after he got traded you know because at first when it happened in Pittsburgh it was like okay whatever he he's frustrated with the whole you know, Juju thing and he wants to go somewhere else and he feels like he's not the star anymore. So he wants to go somewhere else to, to shine. But then you look at all the stuff that happened at, with the Raiders organization. I mean, and he was only there, what, maybe a month or two or something. I would say it wasn't he, long. He, like he didn't even, he didn't even, he didn't even make it, it to the, the regular season. Yeah. He, he didn't got, make he got cut in the, yeah, he got cut in the preseason and there was that video he made of himself where, after he he was all excited that he found out he got released from the Raiders and he ran around and danced in his yard and was like celebrating with his mom, I think it was. And just was, it, it just didn't make any sense because it's like, dude, you're out of a job now, you know, like there wasn't yeah. any guarantee that anybody would pick him up. And then, then of course, you know, you look at new England and the, you know, sexual assault allegations and he only played a couple games there and, you know, it looked like he was out of the league forever at that point. And then now with the whole fake vaccination card thing, and then obviously today, you're just leaving in the middle of a game. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, and there's no telling how much well, especially money leaving he's the way lose. he did. Yeah. Right. Because like know, some people leave in the middle of the game for like an injury or like, well, you know, yeah, whatever. But like, you know, no, but no, like healthy player just walks off the field midway through the game you know and it's not like it's I and mean, when it usually when the stuff has happened it's on a team you know that's doing really bad and the player is really you know pissed off and they're mad they're losing or whatever and then they storm off or something but you know the bucks are a playoff team i mean they're a super bowl contender yeah, obviously they they were losing this game at the time it happened, but you know this is a Super Bowl contending team. He's getting plenty. He was getting plenty of targets. You know, it's not like he was never seeing the field or not getting looks or opportunities. I mean, like literally last week he got almost all of the targets when Evans was out because uh, of course they're already down Godwin too. So he basically was getting all of the targets the week before. So it just it doesn't add up. It's no, there's no logical reason why he just walked out other than something is wrong mentally. Yeah, I definitely agree. So <clears throat> that's going to shelve the uh, Antonio Brown talk for the episode. Now um, moving from a former Steeler to a current Steeler, obviously the man himself, big Ben Roethlisberger and what is all likelihood going to be his last game at Heinz field tomorrow night against the Cleveland Browns. Um, surprisingly, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still in the hunt for the playoffs, although they would need a couple things to go right for them to get in. Um, one of them, namely being the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Indianapolis Colts next week. So um, I'm not feeling entirely, I'm not feeling entirely too hopeful about that one happening. Um, but you know, anything can happen. Uh, at the very least, though, he's got a chance to 
you know, the Steelers can salvage a second place in the division. Um, you know, it's always good to finish ahead of uh, some of your division rivals, um, you know, finish ahead of the Ravens, finish ahead of the Browns. So we'll see how it goes. But obviously, you know, a storied career for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I got some of his stats here. You know, recently he passed Philip Rivers for fifth all-time on the all-time passing leaders list. I mean, you know, you look at the four guys ahead of him, you know, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, all – you know, some of them are already in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, you know, Breeze and Brady will be there one day when they're eligible if Brady ever retires. <laughs> um, but, and then, I mean, it's crazy to think, too. I mean, and he's eighth all-time in passing touchdowns, which, oddly enough, depending on what happens these last two weeks, he could go as high as sixth. Um, he's only five behind Phillip Rivers in sixth place. Um, and the gap to ninth place Matt Ryan is a pretty steep one it's like 80 something touchdowns so he's pretty safe where he's at for now um but obviously a two-time Super Bowl champion multiple time pro bowler and it's definitely going to be weird for me as a Steelers fan not seeing him on the field I mean you know this guy I've been a Steelers fan since I was like four years old and pretty much around when I was four years old was the year the Steelers drafted him I remember when he was a rookie and um, you know, at that point, I still didn't really understand football very much. It was just kind of like, you know, oh, like it's an interesting thing to watch, but I don't really know anything that much. Um, but, you know, I got to see him, you know, come in and take them to that 15 and one season. Unfortunately, it ended the way that a lot of our seasons did under him, which was a loss to Tom Brady and the Patriots in the playoffs. <sighs> I, I don't know what I'm ever going to how I'm ever going to live those down. I wish Tom Brady never existed. Um, <clears throat> but. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but you know, I think I, a lot I, of people say that. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm probably uh, not the only one on this podcast either that somewhat wishes that. Um, <laughs> Nate, I know, obviously enjoyed it, but yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, he might be the only one. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I got to see that, and then I got to see you know a, two Super Bowls in his first uh, couple of, in his first few seasons. You know, they won it in 2005 almost in spite of him, unfortunately, but then, you know, he, the performance he put up in 2008 against the Cardinals, um, which is where this picture is from, you know, a great performance. And just, it, like I said, it's going to be so weird not seeing him under center because he's been the guy my entire life under center in Pittsburgh. And, you know, there's not really many teams I can say that. I mean, other than like the Patriots, and, you know, like I said, I'm sure it was weird for Saints fans this year, not seeing Drew Brees and, you know, same for Giants fans without Eli Manning when he retired, you know, all these legends, you know, when you see them go, I know, you know, most teams are in the situation kind of like how, you know, the, the, the Browns and the Jaguars and the Bills before Josh Allen teams like that, where they just seem to cycle through quarterbacks every couple of years, you know, really makes you have to step back as a fan and just appreciate, you know, with all the people that have been hating on the Steelers this year, like all of our fans, of course, I could, get into another rant like I did last year about our fans, but, you know, just appreciate the time you have with some of these players watching them on the screen. You know, it's obviously they're not going to be around forever. And a lot of these players, you know, you have to think like, you know, when they've been around so long, just appreciate everything they've done for you as a fan and for you as a viewer. And um, just, I hope he enjoys his retirement because it's well-earned, you know, he's, he suffered a lot in the NFL out of all those quarterbacks in the 04 class. He definitely took the most abuse out of all three of them. Um, I'm surprised he actually lasted longer than both of them. That was that I thought he for sure was going to be the first one to retire out of that group. But, you know, he's a tough guy. Lo and behold, he decided to come back. And that's just been my overall experience with him. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, I don't know if you guys want to touch it all on Roethlisberger's career, but obviously it's going to be the end for a great player. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, I'll touch a little bit. Definitely. Like he said, I mean, this is going to be so weird for you to, you've had seasons where he's gotten hurt and stuff and, but you always expect him to come back. You right. know, I know he's been flirting with retirement, but he actually, he hasn't retired until now. So it's, it's like the end of an era now with other than Tom Brady. I mean, you know, like all the guys you mentioned, Breeze, Manning, Rivers, all like those Brady, guys. Brady that, and Rodgers are the only ones left, basically. Yeah, Brady and Rodgers. And Rodgers, you know, he had a little bit later of a start. And I know when, like, whenever he leaves Green Bay, it'll be a similar thing. But 
yeah, it, it's crazy that that era has come to an end and it's going to be interesting to see like what the Steelers do in this year's draft. If there's a QB they like, are they going to wait a year, like a gap year without a quarterback? We, we still don't even know, like they could potentially go on a playoff run if they make the playoffs with him. It could happen. It, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and definitely going to be a guy to look back on in a couple of years when he gets in the hall of fame and remember all those memories and all the games. Cause I mean, the Steelers, they've been so consistent all these years in the AFC other than the Patriots, you know, they've been right there. So that's my thoughts on Ben, Eric. I don't know if you want to add on. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I think you guys are pretty much, uh, you know, hit all the good points, but great career, obviously. And, you know, he he will be missed. It's one of those deals. I mean, obviously, as a Jaguars fan, while we, you know, we're not in the same division with the Steelers anymore, but we've still had a rivalry with them meeting in the playoffs, you know, a few times and had some heated regular season games and stuff. And you obviously I hated Ben Roethlisberger through a majority of his career, but it's still one of those things, though, that you know, once he's gone, it's like, man, you're going to miss him though. You know, you're going to, you're going to miss that, you know, extra level of competition that he provided. And obviously the Steelers could, could get somebody, you know, in the future, you know, just as good as him maybe, but like how the Packers did from going from Favre to Rogers, but, but he, you know, just had a, you know, extra level of talent was great for so many years that the league is definitely going to miss him uh, when he steps down. So, and, and Connor's right too. definitely, first battle hall of famer for sure he'll he'll get in first chance he gets all right well <clears throat> that's gonna be the end of the ben roethlisberger talk you know who knows maybe we will be talking about him later if somehow the steelers end up making the playoffs but like i said um go jaguars uh <laughs> gotta get <laughs> you, will gotta not, get, you will not hear connor say that very often so yeah so <laughs> you know gotta get well you know first things first gotta get past cleveland tomorrow uh because if we lose to them then obviously all this potential playoff talk is for nothing. So, um, but let's move on to our games of the week. There's obviously some very big ones here this upcoming week. You know, we're on the cusp of the playoffs, only one week to go. We're finally starting to get a slightly clearer picture in the AFC, given that, you know, finally going into this week, only three of the teams have been eliminated, which is crazy. Um, But now we're finally starting to get a clearer look with some more teams being eliminated. But Eric, talk about this first game for us. Oh, Actually, uh, I'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, oh, that's right. Zach. Yeah, yeah, Zach. I was like, Whoops. wait a minute. So the, <laughs> the first game we have going on here, this is a game that would have had a lot uh, a lot more meaning to it had Miami won this week against Tennessee. But it's going to be Dolphin or it's going to be Patriots at Dolphins here. And the Patriots, there's still stuff on the line here with this game. The Patriots could win the division if somehow the Jets were to beat the Bills and they win this game and still they want to win to keep a better positioning for their wild card standings, they don't want to be the seven seed probably. So as far as the Patriots and also too, I know they beat Jacksonville today, but that's, I mean, not much of an accomplishment really. <laughs> I think they need this win to keep some momentum going into the playoffs because if they lose this, they're, you know, they lost, two in a row before this week's game. So it's important from that aspect too, like to keep winning and proving that you can beat good teams like the dolphins and the dolphins. I don't think the dolphins are going to cow down. I mean, they hate the Patriots. They tend to play well in Miami against the Patriots. I remember even in Brady's last year with them, I think they won that final regular season game against the Patriots. Uh, So they play them tough every time. And I'm actually going to take the Dolphins in this. Um, I I just haven't. I know the Patriots, you know, scored 50 points today, but I just haven't been a Patriots believer all year. And they're a good team, but they're not a great team. And I think the Dolphins are the same way. And I give them the home field advantage and uh, the win here. I will go with a score 24 to 20. Eric, what about you? Well, Zach. I think you're crazy, man. (laughs) (laughs) You you crazy, bro. No, like New England needs this for playoff positioning. And 
Miami is out of it, but not obviously they're rivals and I'm sure Miami would love to play spoiler and, you know, hurt new England in the rankings and cost them any chance at winning the division. But I mean, Miami just even today against Tennessee, when they controlled their fate and had, you know, if they were to have beat Tennessee today and then won this game against new England next week, they'd get in the playoffs. But even with them controlling their fate, they just got absolutely destroyed and looked abysmal. And I think, they have absolutely zero momentum on their side. I, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're really down about knowing now that they for sure cannot make the playoffs. So even though new England has to go on the road for this game, I expect new England to win. And I obviously I will be rooting for Miami. Don't get me wrong there, but I, (laughs) I I really think new England's going to win this game and I think they'll win pretty easily. Uh, I'm going to say they win uh, 27 to 13. So Connor, it's one to one. What's the what's the tie-breaking vote here? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is definitely an interesting game. Um, you know, obviously for the Patriots, they definitely have the tougher test here. You know, the Bills, all they got to do is take care of business at home against the Jets, and they win the division. Which, you know, <clears throat> the Jets on the road this season have been really bad. Like at home, they've definitely had some good moments. Like you know, when they beat the Titans, they beat the Bengals, and then obviously making it close against the Bucks today, but on the road, the Jets have been abysmal. So, um, you know, the Patriots can't hope for, uh, can't hope for much, but, you know, at least to have that slim sliver of hope. But obviously, like you said, the Patriots do want to win because if they do win, they'll clinch that five seed in the, um, in the AFC. So at the very least, you know, some, if some things go a certain way, they could end up hosting a playoff game at some point. And obviously, um, you know, they'll, get a matchup with whoever the lowest seed is, which, you know, in the AFC, who knows this year? So it could be a rematch with the Bills for all they know. But, um, and also, like, the Patriots do have some kryptonite going down there in Miami. I mean, it's it's still the only stadium in the NFL that Tom Brady has a losing record in, which is crazy to think that he even has one stadium that he has a losing record in. But Hard Rock Stadium is his kryptonite. But Tom Brady's not there, and... I do think the Dolphins have been getting a little overrated on this win streak they've been going on because, I mean, if you just look at the teams they had been beating on this win streak, like, yeah, that win over the Ravens was impressive, but then it was, like, the Jets, the Giants, the Jets again, the Saints who are not really good, the Panthers. So they've been beating a lot of really bad teams, and they finally went up against a good one this week and got slaughtered. So um i am gonna agree with eric and go with the new england patriots i think it'll be a little closer than eric thinks i don't think it'll be a super easy win just because you know new england like zach mentioned teams to struggle down in miami um even with tom brady being gone so um i'm gonna give it to the new england patriots so i'm gonna say they win 24 to 20 and eric take this next game for us we got two 24 to 20s there but with different teams (laughs) Yeah, I, that'll be interesting there. Uh, yeah, so next matchup we got, uh, this is going to be another uh, pretty big deal here. Uh, we've got the San Francisco 49ers going to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, obviously, the 49ers need to win this game to secure their you know, playoff spot. And then the Rams want to win to make sure they secure the division. Uh, since the Cardinals got back in the win column, Today they're still tied, so uh, well, the, Ram- the Rams are one game ahead. But oh. if the Cardinals win, they still take the division. Okay, that's right. That's right. There was a lot that happened today with all these standings and yeah, hard to keep. Yeah, no, the Rams are a game ahead, but I guess the Cardinals have the tiebreaker on them. Yeah. So, so, but if they win, then uh, if they win, they for sure get uh, the division. So it's this is going to be interesting, just because for one, with the Forty ers um, I really doubt that Jimmy G comes back from that thumb injury from what I've heard about it. It sounds like a pretty bad injury. And there was, I can't remember who it was, but there was actually somebody in the NBA that had a really similar injury and they're going to be out for several weeks. So I really think this whole deal, like this week they were hyping up that Jimmy G could still play. And they, I think that was just more so to try to, throw off the Texans in their game plan or something or, you know, future opponents just to try to make it 
look like he could still play. But I really, I really think he's done at least for at least for now. So the 49ers will most likely be rolling with Trey Lance in this game. And he had some moments today against the Texans, but he really struggled for a while. And of course, against the Texans, you know, if you're struggling against them of all teams, then that's pretty bad. Uh, they're one of the only few teams that's like down there, you know, a little bit better than the Jags. <laughs> I had to kind of roast my Jags there a little bit. I, must say, I mean, they, I mean, the Texans did beat them both. Yeah, times. They, did, they did. They did. But they're they're down there with us still in the cellar. You know, they they were one of the only three teams that was out like us. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, again, fire Trent Baalke. But uh, anyway, so the Rams, though, have they went on that phase where they struggled there for a bit where they lost three games in a row but uh they've now actually won five games in a row since then and while it was kind of an ugly one today they did manage to come back and beat the ravens on the road so i just my gut feeling tells me that the rams will win this game they're also at home which gives them an advantage and uh they it's green bay is looking pretty comfortable against minnesota here right now going into halftime almost but but, you know, they could still get that number two seed, which would be a pretty big thing to get. So and of course, obviously, they don't want to lose and, you know, fall down to that five, six and seven range. So I think the Rams are going to win. Uh, Trey Lance will probably struggle for a bit. I think the Rams will win fairly easily, but it is a rivalry game. But I'm still going to say the Rams take this one 30 to 17. Uh, Zach, I'll go to you next. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree. Jimmy G's not playing. I don't think, think even in the playoffs, Jimmy G comes back. Um, and I agree with you on the score here with the Rams. I, I think it's not going to be close, actually. I'm going to – I know the Rams – Matthew Stafford scares me. Trust me, I don't think the Rams are going to do great in the playoffs based on how Matt Stafford's been playing recently. But they're playing the 49ers. They're going to want revenge on them because – they lost to the 49ers the last time they played, and it was kind of embarrassing for them. So I'm going to pick the Rams to win. I'll say in a blowout here, Rams will win 38-13. to 13. Connor, what about you? Yeah, um, I do agree with you guys that the Rams are going to win this. Um, you know, like you said, I think Trey Lance is going to struggle. I think, you know, the Niners just don't have enough on offense, even with guys like Eli Mitchell and, um, you know, Debo Samuel. I just don't think they'll be able to do enough. The concern for me a little bit for the Rams, like you said, with Stafford, he's been really inconsistent. And this 49ers defense is good. So I'll be interested to see how well they do at getting to him. If, you know, Nick Bosa can pile up a couple more sacks. If, you know, Fred Warner does some stuff, um, you know, to stop the run game they have going, it's, it, I think it'll be a, a little bit more of an interesting game. Obviously, you know, especially if Stafford struggles early, because um, if Stafford is on it from the beginning, then this will be a blowout. Like, you know, when Stafford's on, then this Rams team is, in my opinion, they are like a top two or three team. If Stafford plays the way he should, you know, I think, you know, there's not many teams that can keep up with him. But if he starts to have some of those early struggles, then, you know, I definitely think that, like Zach said, come playoff time, it's going to hurt them. Um, but at least against the 49ers at home, I think they'll be able to overcome that. Um, I'm going to say the Rams take this one uh, 28 to 20. All right, so that our last game of the week is going to be the most important game of the week by far um, out of all these games is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this game currently is in the four o'clock slot, but given the importance of this game, I have no doubt it's going to be flexed to the Sunday night spot um, in the lineup because whoever wins this game between the Raiders and the Chargers will clinch a spot in the playoffs. And depending on what happens, um, the other team that loses could be out if enough things go wrong. Um, Cause obviously the Patriots have already clinched. So, all that would need to happen for the team that lost would be either the Colts would need to win or the Ravens would need to win. Or if the Steelers win today and the Steelers win, then that team is out. So very, very high stakes in this game. Um, the Chargers coming off a really dominant win over the Broncos, the Raiders coming off, they did beat the Colts today. So 
Um, a good win on the road for them against the Colts, except um, Derek Carr did struggle quite a bit in the game, but they were able to pull it out in the end. Um, but for me in this game, I am going to have to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. To me, I know obviously they had that bad game against the Texans last week on the road, but to me, I just still think this team is the better team. You know, they really took it to Kansas City uh, the week before the Texans game, and obviously Kansas City is like, you know, they're kind of back on top of the world right now. Despite the loss of the Bengals today, they still looked pretty good. Um, and obviously, speaking of the Bengals, the Chargers threw a whooping on the Bengals on the road a couple weeks before that. So I think this Chargers team is more talented. I think Justin Herbert is the better quarterback. I think Austin Eckler is the better running back. I think the Chargers have a better offensive line. It's just, you know, can you put it all together for this game? And I think the Chargers are going to be able to do that. I think the Raiders are going to struggle again. I think Derek Carr is not a playoff caliber quarterback. Um, it's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to come down to potentially a game-winning drive from Justin Herbert. And I'm going to say that the Chargers take this one 31-28. Uh, Zach, what about you? All right. I am going to take Las Vegas Raiders in this for a few reasons. Number one, the Chargers, the last 10 games have just been way too inconsistent. I mean, their good is as good as it gets. Their bad is as bad as it gets. So. That scares me to pick the Chargers. Second of all, the Raiders, they've been doing pretty good recently. I have a three-game win streak going on. They're starting to heat up a little bit. And they had an important win today against the Colts, who before today's game, everyone's like, oh, my God, the Colts are a dark horse to go to the Super Bowl. Everyone's all loving the Colts. And they finally beat them. They beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, I remember. Uh, And Derek Carr, I think, is – being really slept on by people. I mean, going he's really going under the radar this season. I know the first two weeks he had, you know, was the MVP favorite or whatever after two weeks, but he's been, I think he's been very good. The Raiders, you know, they, they want to make the playoffs for sure. They haven't been to the playoffs in a while. And another thing that's going to help them out here too, is the fans. I think they haven't made the playoffs only, this is only their second season in Las Vegas, but I guarantee you the the Raiders fans are going to make this a difficult place to play. It's going to be very loud. It's going to be very pro Raiders. And I think all these things combined are going to allow the Raiders to win the game in a close fashion. I'll say something like 30 to 24 Raiders win. Uh, Eric, what about you? Yeah, this this was the toughest one for me to decide on this week out of the three of these i mean this is truly a game that could go either way but i'm gonna it's kind of crazy because i was i was really debating this beforehand so i i was happy that connor picked zach next i wanted to hear like each of y'all's points but i am going to take the raiders as well i'm going to agree with zach here but mainly just because of the inconsistency of the chargers it's it's almost like you each week you don't know which Chargers team you're going to get. And Zach and I, when Zach was here to visit me, we saw a lot of the Chargers-Texans game. And just seeing how bad they were in that game against a weak team was just crazy. Whereas then, you know, they go out and destroy Denver, a team who was still, granted the odds were low, but still a chance at making the playoffs and, just, and destroying them pretty easily. It's But which Chargers team are you going to get? And I just don't know. So whereas the Raiders have been kind of, they've been more consistent lately. So I am going to take them, but it is going to be close. I think this is going to be the best game of the week. Uh, I will say the Raiders win 27-24. Yeah, truly. This <clears throat> this for sure, guys, is going to be the one to watch. I mean, I think that Pittsburgh-Baltimore one could be one to watch if the Steelers uh, end up winning this week and maybe make it interesting. But, you know, at the that one, whoever wins that one still would need some help. At the very least, this one is guaranteed whoever wins is in the playoffs. So um, very, very high stakes. Now we will move on to the lockboard. This was the penultimate round of the lockboard for this year. And unfortunately for Zach and Nate and I, we're going to be offering an <clears throat> official congratulations to Eric on winning the lockboard this year. 
currently a 15-point advantage over Zach, which means that next week Zach would need to get all five pointers all correct, and Eric would need to get zero points. But given the likelihood that Eric is going to be, you know, taking some of these like Bills over Jets and um, you know Packers over Lions one pointers next week, um, the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. So congratulations to Eric on the lockboard win this year. Um, he did have the worst week out of the three of us, out of the four of us this week, with only three points. Um, but that brought us total up to seventy-two. Zach, Nate, and myself all had five points, so we maintained our same spot. Zach in second with 57, Nate in third with 54, and myself with 49. But before we go to the picks, Eric, just a couple words, man, on your victory this year. Uh, and the three of us are going to be owing you 10 bucks each. Yeah, for, yeah, I'll be I'll be glad to get 30 bucks. That's going to be nice. <laughs> and uh, <especially laughs> since uh, my fantasy teams were pretty bad overall this year, so that this was my redeeming thing. And I will say, while I miss doing the live drafts, I definitely hope that next year we can somehow incorporate that. I think one thing that really helped me this year was just overall having more time to look and research everything. Because, like, last year at this time, we were recording on Mondays, and that was when we would make our picks. But I would always work all day, and I would come home and, like, 20 minutes before the podcast started we'd be oh, like, okay, really look, yeah. look look at the picks real quick and you know they didn't have the guys didn't have a necessarily a ton of time either but i would literally like walk in the door and we'd be like starting the skype call and i'd just kind of look real quick and so it was nice i think that helped me because especially with college games i don't know as much about college as these guys so it was nice <clears> to have you know more time to research those and that helped me get more picks right i think but I'm hoping next year we'll be able to do the drafts live again instead of just picking who we want in advance and then getting whichever one we get in our order and everything. But hopefully we can combine it with that and having, you know, a little more time. I think that'll definitely make it interesting next year. But yeah, it was a great year for me on the lock board. And I am, you know, obviously there's still like a teeny tiny chance that could get back in it, but I'm, you know, I'm happy with my results either way. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that would be uh, like I said. Aside from the fact that you're going to be taking all one pointers for Zach to get all three of the five pointers, right? That would just to force a tie, even like that. That's even like it wouldn't even be Zach would win at that point. He would have yeah. to force a tie and then go into the playoffs. So, as well as like um, to say, one play a superstar KO got overtime at worst. You know, <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. That's the pro- and the problem is we haven't even come up with any overtime parameters. So. uh you know, yeah, that, maybe, that, maybe, maybe, maybe hopefully for us as rule makers, that doesn't come to, to pass. But um, for sure. anyway, <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to the picks now for this week. Um, predi- I would I had the first pick predictably all five pointers. Um, my first one was Michigan over Georgia. Um, I definitely felt like I was surprised that Georgia was seven and a half point favorites in that one. Um, like I figured Georgia would be the favorite, but seven and a half for, a you know, especially after the way Michigan had manhandled Ohio State and. Um, and, you know, manhandled Iowa and how Georgia had that ugly loss to Alabama. I thought, you know, this could be a good, um, I definitely felt more confident in this one over than the other playoff game, um, which I know Zach will talk about here in a second. Um, but unfortunately for me, Georgia looked like the team that we all thought they were and completely blew out Michigan. Um, you know, all I can say, Georgia is where was that against Alabama? Uh, because Alabama wouldn't be in the playoff right now had you done that. So, um, you know, hopefully y'all can find that against Alabama in the championship because, uh, you know, I can't stand to see Nick Saban and Alabama winning again. So, um, but past that, the next one I had was the Lions over the Seahawks. And, you know, I thought that one would be closer because uh, the Lions, you know, we had talked about them before. They're kind of one of those like feisty teams, like, you know, they play better than their record. And especially with how bad the Seahawks have been this year, I thought that could be a good one. But unfortunately, um, despite some uh, major heroics by Amon Ross St. Brown, the uh, Lions still got blown out by the Seahawks um, allowed and gave up 50 points. Uh, the only one for me that worked out was Central Michigan over Washington State. You know, we always talk about these bowl games can go either way. And that one, thankfully for me, went the correct way, and Central Michigan pulled out a win. So at least got five points. Um, for Nate's picks, he did not go with all five pointers. I guess he had pretty much resigned and given up. 
at this point. Um, he had Penn State over Arkansas in the uh, Outback Bowl. Arkansas pretty easily won that game um, from what I saw. But his next two, that was for two points. His next pick was the Cardinals over the Cowboys. Um, got a little hairy for the Cardinals at the end, but they did manage to hold on and win for three points for Nate. And finally, he took Oklahoma State over Notre Dame for a two-point play. That one ended up being close at the end, uh, but Oklahoma State pulled it out. Now, Zach, talk about your picks. Yeah, so I went with the all five-pointers again, like I've been doing the past couple weeks. And, you know, funny now, finally now, late in the season, I'm getting some five-pointers actually hit for me. (laughs) It had been nice earlier in the season when I didn't have to force these to get that, but... Um, I got Vegas over the Colts, right? You know, I just talked about Vegas before how they beat the Colts. It was obviously, you know, time expiring field goal sort of deal. That's how a lot of these five point wins happen too. You got to get lucky and get a, something like that to happen. So the Raiders winning made me happy. I was rooting for the Raiders and I definitely wanted to pick them high up. So win this game, another, another theme of my picks here is, you know, I'm I'm at the point in the season where it's very small percentage that I'm going to win. So I wanted to pick things that I wanted to see happen. So that's why I picked the Raiders over the Colts. My second one was Jaguars over <laughs> Patriots. Really wanted to see them beat the Patriots. Um, deep down, I knew it probably wasn't going to happen. But, you know, you as a fan, you always have that that feeling like, oh, this is we're going to should happen. <laughs> yeah. And so that one's clearly wrong. Same thing with Cincinnati over Bama, too. Just really wanted Cincy to beat Bama, so I wanted to pick that one high up. And uh, was really hoping, like, man, this would be a great week if I get 15 points and all these teams win. So didn't happen. Only got five, but I'll take it. Eric, what about yours? Yeah, I was fortunate with my picks, so that kind of worked out for me, too. Because there was, like, that, like, it was the week before, I guess, where, like, Every pick I made, I really, in real life, didn't want to happen, but I was at least happy to get the points. But this time, like, all three of my picks I had were ones that I wanted to happen. But um, I had Utah over Ohio State in the Rose Bowl for a three-pointer, but uh, Utah ended up choking their lead, and Ohio State stole the dub. I thought with Ohio State having a bunch of players opt out that I could get that one, but it did not end up being the case. So that was an L, but... I did get the Raptors over the Clippers for my next pick, also a three-point play. I was surprised the Clippers were favored as big as they were because obviously they've already been with, without Kawhi all year, and then Paul George got hurt, and he's out. And I think they had a couple players out with COVID as well, whereas the Raptors were relatively healthy. So Toronto did end up winning that game. And then finally, I took the Dolphins over the Titans. I thought with the Dolphins having their playoff lives on the line that they were going to play better. But uh, I'm glad that, you know, I've basically got the dub already and that the competition wasn't close because that ended up being a horrible pick that uh, I absolutely got wrong. But uh, so, yeah, those were my picks. But again, happy with my results. And uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, next week, like I mentioned, will be the last week of the lock board. Um, Eric will have the first pick, probably going to be all one-pointers. Zach will have the second pick, probably going to still be all five-pointers just because of that slim hope that is still alive. Um, Nate will have the third pick, and I will have the last pick. I'm probably going to go with a more conventional board next week just for my pride or sanity, I guess, because obviously Nate and I are completely eliminated, so um, I won't feel bad about not picking all five-pointers next week. So we're gonna you can go for the, you can go for the bronze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can <laughs> I can uh I can pick some things that like, like I said I can do what you guys did. I could pick like you know Pittsburgh over Baltimore if the Steelers aren't favored, and then like you know maybe if uh, since that'll be going on, I can pick like whoever's well. Actually, unfortunately, I think Georgia's favored in the national championship against Bama, so um, I'm not going to be picking that one. But you know, I'll find some stuff. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Maybe the Hornets yeah. will be underdogs to somebody or something. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and this was—I was going to say if, if hockey was involved, but the Hurricanes are at the top of the league right now, so they're not going to be a, uh, an underdog against anyone, especially since our next game's at home. But uh, yeah, so we're going to close the show talking about some uh, the Hall of Fame finalists were announced uh, a couple days ago, and uh, the fifteen finalists. And if you uh, are a football fan or a football 
I don't know what word I'm looking for here, but uh, a Jaguars fan especially, you'll know who this guy is in the picture on the right here. We're going to get to him in a second. But for right now, I thought it would be good for each of us to take one of these players on this list and give them a, a case for making the Hall of Fame other than the guy in the picture. Um, because honestly, for me, this definitely seems like the most up in the air class we've had in quite a while. Um, there's not like a whole bunch of first ballot hall of famers that I think are going to happen this year. Like did last year and a couple of years before that, when like all three of the first ballot ones got in, cause it was like Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson and Calvin Johnson, like all got in. So, um, definitely more up in the air this year. So I will start with my pick and my pick is going to be former, Rams, Jaguars, and I think Patriots at some point to receiver Torrey Holt. Um, to me, Torrey Holt is just so overdue for getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, his partner in crime, Isaac Bruce, got in a few years ago. And I feel like he's just kind of suffered from this whole sort of thing that seems to happen with receivers in the Hall of Fame, where, like, they just don't get as much respect as they should. Um, you know, it's like the Hall of Fame committee never wants to put in more than one every year so a lot of these like really good receivers tend to get pushed to the side. Um, you know, I think the last time they did too was like when they put Randy Moss and Terrell Owens in at the same time. Like I remember Terrell Owens got shafted for quite a few years of not getting in. Obviously I don't like the way he acted when he finally did get in, but you know, I do think that he should have gotten in a, a long time before he did. Um, but Torrey Holt's the guy I'm feeling with that about right now. You know, he had a fantastic career in St. Louis when he was with the Rams, you know, he was, Especially after Isaac Bruce uh, retired, you know, he was like the go-to guy for a few seasons in St. Louis. I'm sure our uh, Uncle Mike could tell you all about him, um, the greatest show on turf. And the other thing about Torrey Holt, too, is that, you know, he may not have super great stats. You know, he's not in the top 15 all-time when it comes to receiving yards. But I think just, you know, like I said, the importance that he brought to that team and, you know, just the impact he had on that field, especially with how he was still able to keep it up after Isaac Bruce was gone, you know, because the Rams still had, you know, after Isaac Bruce was gone, after Marshall Falk left, you know, Torrey Holt was going to be the guy at that point. Steven Jackson was still young in his career. Um, and Torrey Holt was still able to keep it going. Even, you know, he had a couple, he had a decent year, like somewhat decent year, if I remember correctly, when he was in Jacksonville. Um, so, and his oh, career no. on it, what? I, he didn't. Oh, he didn't. I thought, I mean, I thought he had like, I don't know if he had any touchdowns, but I thought he still had like 800 yards or something. Oh, maybe, like, I, maybe, but I can't remember. Like it was like a, it, it, it just, it was like a blink in your eye. And right. Like, I, I was about to say, I'm sure it wasn't memorable, but like he still at least had a, you know, okay season. I think the other okay. thing from, for me with Tory Hole is that, I think another reason why he's being pushed back a little bit is he had a little bit of a shorter career than most receivers. He only played for 10 seasons. Um, So unlike some of the other guys on this list, like Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne, who, you know, they may be ahead of him in stats, but they played for quite a bit longer than he did. So um, I'm going to give my vote to Torrey Holt. So Zach, who's your guy? All right. So my guy here is going to be Reggie Wayne. Like Connor just mentioned, another receiver. I really, I don't understand that. Like, this is the Hall of Fame here. This isn't like, you're not trying to like make a selection of players that like look good together. Like, you need to take position out of it and just grade the players and put your one through five. And if they're all five offensive linemen, then they're all five offensive. If they're all five safeties or, you know, like, you should. Oh, 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 yeah, I agree. Like, because it's funny you mentioned safeties. Like, safeties have a really hard time getting into. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think it's kind of stupid that there's these unspoken rules that you can only have one player per position or whatever. Um, but with me, with Reggie Wayne, I, you know, we're starting to get to the point with these Hall of Fame inductions where a lot of the guys I can remember watching. You know, I'm a I'm not the oldest football fan out there, obviously. So Reggie Wayne's a guy that I definitely remember from his prime up until a couple of years ago. You know, it's only his second time being on the ballot. So um, just had a tremendous career with the Colts, always consistent. That's the thing I remember the most in consistency. You know, him and Peyton Manning had just as great of a connection as Marvin Harrison. 
like Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, to me, they're they're they go hand in hand. That's how good they were. Um, so he had a, just a tremendous career, and I I definitely expect him to make the Hall of Fame. He he would be on my list for sure. Eric, what's your final pick? Uh, before Eric gets to his, I will attest oh, okay. to what Zach is saying. How uh, you know, I had Reggie Wayne on my fantasy team quite a lot during his prime, so <laughs> he was one of those guys that I always pick. And I will say, my favorite moment I ever had from Reggie Wayne was uh, this was back in this was the first time I it was the season one, the first time I'd ever won a fantasy championship, and our, it was in our family league like way back when I think it was 2014 where. Reggie Wayne was, I kind of took him like near the end of the draft. You know, you sometimes do that with like a sentimental player. And I remember I had one week where like literally all of my receivers were on by, like I couldn't tell you who they were, but I had like a bunch of receivers on by and I still had Reggie Wayne on the team and I had to throw him in there. And literally the only touchdown he caught all season was that week. And he somehow pulled out like a, like a 13 point week for me. And that was by far like his best game of the year. So, you know, I have a, I gave a lot of my fantasy like success in my early days to Reggie Wayne. So uh, thank you for that. Eric, go ahead. That's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah. So the pick I have, I do feel my pick is one of the most confident. I feel like we'll get in and that's going to be DeMarcus Ware, uh, who spent most of his career with the Dallas Cowboys. And then the last few seasons with the Denver Broncos, uh, he won a Super Bowl with Denver, and him and that defense were really the big reason why they won that Super Bowl, even though Peyton Manning was on the team. You know, Peyton had regressed and was definitely not the same player he used to be, and it was really Denver's defense that carried them. And if you just if you look out throughout his whole career, I mean, uh, he had a stretch where he had – seven seasons in a row where he had double digit sacks or higher. And in uh, two of those seasons, he had 19 and a half and 20, which is not far from the single season sack record. So the fact that he pulled that off is really impressive. And he also had 35 forced fumbles throughout his career, which is pretty amazing. I mean, this guy was just a defensive juggernaut. And just watching him play, man, he was always somebody like, man, I wish I had him on my team. You know, <laughs> like, it would have been really nice if we could have had him. He just, you know, phenomenal career. And I think just, you know, with his statistics alone is merit enough for him to get in. And I don't, I don't know what else to say other than he was a beast. <laughs> All right. So, Good cases for all three of those guys. You know, hopefully for our sake, all three of them get in. So we look good. Um, you know, at least for Eric's sake, I think his guy for sure will get in. But we'll we'll wait and see on Zach and I because, like I mentioned, receivers have a interesting time trying to get in. But the last guy we're going to talk about here, like I said, I mentioned he played for the Jaguars. That would be one Tony Baselli. Now, Tony Baselli has been a Hall of Fame finalist. I want to say, like... Geez, I don't know how many times he's been on Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. He's had like a stretch of like, you know, quite a few years in a row where he had, uh, so th- I just look at it. He's been a Hall of Fame finalist for six consecutive years now and is yet to get in. Um, I know a lot of people thought that maybe he should have got, maybe not last year because last year was kind of stacked, but I know the year before that, a lot of people thought he should have gone in. The year before that, a lot of people thought he should have gone in. To me, this is like, the year for him given that you know the people that he's around because at some point here in a little bit he's going to start entering that senior class where they're not even going to consider him for the modern era anymore which is unfortunate um so he's getting towards the end of that and this like i said this is a wide open class this year this isn't like last year where you know we had all these good first ballot choices the only first ballot choice in my mind that's for sure to get in is demarcus ware um, the rest of them are kind of question marks like Devin Hester and Andre Johnson and Jared Allen, I think are all question marks, um, especially the the latter two. Um, well, I mean, especially Devin Hester and uh, uh, Andre Johnson, I think are huge question marks. So this is his time, in my opinion. I think it's overdue, but 
for the resident Jaguars fans on the podcast, uh, I guess I'll start with Zach. Tell me about, well, actually, I'll start with Eric since he actually got to watch Tony Baselli a little bit. Tell me about Tony Baselli and why he should get in. Yeah, man. I mean, for the first few years of the Jaguars' existence, Tony Baselli was the anchor of this team. I mean, obviously, 95, the expansion year, we weren't very good, but you know, 96 through 99, we had four playoff appearances and he was a huge reason for that. I mean, and my favorite game that I know of him, and I know he did this multiple times, but I know Connor, I know your dad won't like this if he's listening. Sorry to bring up <laughs> the bad memory, but and in in nineteen ninety-six, Jack the Jacksonville Jaguars is a second year team went into Buffalo and as huge underdogs and beat them in the snow. And uh, Tony Baselli blocked it. He, him and Bruce Smith, uh, another Hall of Famer, went head-to-head, and Baselli just absolutely shut him down. And Bruce Smith didn't get a single sack in the game, and I don't even really know how often he even – if he even got any pressures. I mean – you want to talk about absolutely. And the thing is, it's not like, oh, that was one game. I mean, he did this all the time throughout his career. It's just what he was known for. I mean, the only thing that really stops him from getting in and what's held him back from getting in is just that he didn't have that long of a career. Uh, he ended up going to the Texans as part of the expansion draft in 02, I guess it was. And he ended up having a, bad injury and like training camp or preseason or something and then never played again after that but I really feel like if he'd been able to keep playing that he would have been in a long time ago and I mean just looking at his career I mean other than the expansion year the Jags he made the Pro Bowl every other season that he was a member of the team he was all pro three times won the Offensive Lineman of the Year Award in 98. And he's also on the 1990s All-Decade team, which for not even starting at playing until 1995 is pretty impressive that he made that. And also, I'm pretty sure he's one of the only members of the 90s All-Decade team that is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if this... I'd, obviously, this is my favorite team, and... You know, it can sound like bias, but I mean, the guy has the resume and the overall talent to get in. I don't really see why he's not other than the you know length of his career. But like Connor said, this is a pretty wide open class. So I really do feel like this is going to be his best chance to get in. And I'm the Jaguars have just, I mean, literally ever since our playoff year in 2017, like we've just been pretty much absolutely garbage the rest of the time and had so many dark spots but this would be like the one thing that would be a bright spot if he were to get in and would at least lift my spirits up for a while if he could get in so um zach do you have anything else to add here or uh any other thing about the yes yeah, so i mean obviously you know before my time and Eric could speak better on his actual play, but I'll say, I, I know it, it sounds good. What you guys are saying. I still, I, I've gotten my hopes up many years ago and I'm at the point where I, I just, you know, don't think it'll happen. Unfortunately, I think the biggest, another thing that really hurts him is the market the, the you know, being in Jacksonville, if he was, I think, on a team like the Cowboys or the Giants, you know, a team like that, or the Packers, I think it would have helped them out a lot more. Um, but being on the Jaguars, it's easy to be forgotten about. And I, I, while I didn't really watch him play much, I do watch a show, a like a Jaguars radio show every week that they do with him. He's one of the hosts with Pete Prisco. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's a controversial CBS uh, NFL guy. And, but Pete has been making the case every year for the, he's, he knows like the hall of fame voters and stuff. And he just, he always says like, Hey, like, this is why you need to, he shows them all the clips. 
that you're talking about of him beating, you know, being being the best at his position and and you know stopping all the great defensive players trying to pass rush. Uh, but I just think a lot of these Hall of Fame got voters and stuff. I mean, I just think it would have happened already if it was going to happen. So I'm not. I'm personally not going to be um, expecting him to make the Hall of Fame. I know this is like his best chance and everything, and everyone's like, he has to, he has to. But I mean, I've felt that for a while now, and he hasn't made it. So I'm not getting my hopes up with this one. But hopefully, he does. Yeah, hopefully, um, at least for. I know for y'all's sake, too, I mean, this is one thing that, you know, you talk about the struggles of the Jaguars. Unfortunately, they do hold the distinction as the only team in the NFL that does not have, at the very least, like, I know there are some teams like the Panthers and the Texans, like, that don't have primary inductees, because every player has, like, a primary induction as they go in, like, the team they played most of their career with or whatever, but, like, you know, other people get counted as well. Like Ed Reed gets counted for the Texans. And like, I know um, like Bobby Lane and Len Dawson, like get counted for the Steelers, even though they only played like two or three seasons with them um, or one season even. So, um, but the Jaguars, like they don't have anybody in the hall of fame. They are literally the only team that does not have a hall of fame inductee. So um, this would definitely be huge for the franchise if they could get it. So I'm hoping for you guys that it happens because I definitely agree that he's long overdue. Um, But, you know, I guess we'll see on uh, whatever the day before the Super Bowl is. I don't know what date it is this year, but February something uh, (laughs) when the NFL honors comes through. I think it's February. It's right before the Super Bowl. It's like that's what I'm saying. It's it's February 5th this year because the Super Bowl is I mean, sorry, it's it's, um, because the Super Bowl is going to be February 6th. Uh, So February 5th will be the NFL honors. So guess we'll find out. Uh, but thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this podcast. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport. Leave any questions down in the comments or on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer them for you on the podcast. And until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Be Clutch. Hooey.